Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Retirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. I'm so honored to be the host of this show called Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? In this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20 plus years, and I'm proud to say I've never lost one dollar of my clients' money. I will share with you secrets I've learned over two decades that only the few rich have known about and that really have been around for centuries. You know, most Americans are not prepared for the golden years, let alone today. No matter what your financial status is, you can be prepared to enjoy your life and never run out of money. So my goal is to reach out to all kinds of experts that I can share with you great information so you are ready for pre-retirement. Pre-retirement is plan retirement early so your money, your health, and your peace of mind is there when you need it. So today, my special guest is Jim Skinner. He is the president of JMS Benefit Solutions LP, a benefit counseling and brokerage company and founder of Smart Patient Academy, a specialty communications training and enrollment company. Jim is the author of Smart Patient, Smart Money, a simple guide to becoming an educated, empowered, money-saving champion of the healthcare you deserve. He's also a cancer survivor with 18 years in the industry. Jim presents a unique blend of deep insurance expertise with practical patient experience in a humorous and entertaining way. Jim, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's really a pleasure. Wow. that's a, What a perfect time. Today is the first day of the, I, the Affordable Care Act, I guess. This is the day. Welcome the day. to the, the new paradigm. Right. <laughs> a new puzzle we can try to figure out. And you, you've had some amazing experience in the healthcare marketplace. And so just right from the top, what is going on with the healthcare marketplace and how is all of these new laws and changes going to impact the listener? Well, it's a great question. So I'll try and demystify and put into plain, plain English what, what's really going on here is there's really the biggest change in the insurance marketplace and in the healthcare marketplace that we've seen since 1964. So although the healthcare reform law, better known as Obamacare, was passed in 2010, it wasn't until today that actually the full implementation of it start. So it, it's starting with the exchanges and the exchanges are meant to be marketplaces where people shop for insurance online kind of like Travelocity or Amazon or something like that. So that's the concept behind it. But the problem they were trying to, to solve was twofold. They're trying to solve the uninsured problem and the fact that rates are going up and up and they're out of control. So those are the two main problems they tried to uh, tackle. So actually, 
whether or not whatever happens with Obamacare, no one really knows because we're going off into uncharted territory here. And there's a big rate to define it as either a success or a failure. So your listeners really need to know what is relevant to me and what's relevant to you is that as a consumer, and all of us are consumers, is how do I approach the marketplace? And the way I would, I would think about it is I try and make this analogy. I call it situational awareness. Let's just say if you were driving a car for in a foreign country on a curvy road at night in the rain, you would be very hyper aware of your circumstances. You would think about options to get out of traffic. You would be very concerned about doing everything right. So that's the level of awareness you need to take into the new healthcare environment. And the reason is that there is a huge shift going on of cost and risk from either an employer to an employee or from the government to the individual. At the end of the day, you and I are looking at more out-of-pocket expenses and higher prices in most cases. So you're really going to have to be an astute consumer. And that's really what I'm trying to teach people to do is, is kind of, we've been trained for, Chris, I think for the last 20 years or so to be very passive. Right. And, you know, the word patient, it kind of people have this automatic mental image of sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting and being a very patient, passive consumer. And we we've kind of gone through the system trained this way. Well, you now need to kind of shift gears and be an active consumer and start thinking in terms of how you approach the marketplace like you would approach it for buying electronic or buying a car. You know, I think a lot of your your listeners out there would think of themselves as kind of ninja consumers. Now, they do a lot of price shopping. They know the price of something before they buy it. They negotiate. And all of those same rules and tactics and mindset are what people need when they're going off into this kind of this new new paradigm that just launched today. Right. And it, it's so totally confusing that besides just the regular insurance with the, with the Affordable Care, Obamacare, how does one start? How do they figure this out? Well, the first thing you would need to ask yourself is what market am I in? And it sounds like kind of a dumb question, but there's really two markets. And well, I don't know. I'm sorry. Maybe four. Sorry. You're, you're in a group market. In other words, you're getting your insurance through an employer. So that's, you know, that you have one set of answers if you're getting your insurance as through your employer. Right. Have another set of answers if you're you're just an individual consumer out there under age sixty five. Obviously, if you're age sixty five and up, there's not as much to worry about direct in terms of direct impact. There's more indirect impact. The same with people on Tricare or people who are currently on Medicaid. So those government programs, if you will, have much less impact on them than, say, under age 65 
that market, that commercial market. So once you know where you are in the, you know, where do I get my insurance? The next thing you would need to know is what kind of a healthcare consumer am I? And believe it or not, I know that you do a lot of financial planning and I would assume that a lot of what you do is you help people figure out their risk profile when they're looking at risk. Wouldn't that be true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So am I a conservative investor? Do I like a lot of risk? Am I somewhere in between? Where am I in the the overall spectrum? Right. Well, you kind of need to know the same and go through the same process mentally with yourself and say, well, what kind of a healthcare consumer am I? The reason you want to do that is because you want to buy the right amount of insurance that corresponds to your consumption pattern. So let me be really, let me just kind of make it simple. I've just broken down like the healthcare consumer into three different categories. The first one would be kind of uh, just your generally healthy person. They're going to the doctor maybe three times a year. This is the vast majority of the population fits into this category. The very healthy person. Then there's the middle person, middle of the road person. And then we're disaster man. So I'm disaster man. But let's start off with the first one. What's the profile of the generally healthy person? He basically spends less than $500 per year out of his pocket, goes to the doctor maybe three times a year. And bear in mind that almost every health plan out there now covers all your preventive care for free. No co-pays, no deductibles. It's really for free. So... That means that there's no excuse not to go into the doctor. So you're really only going to the doctor, most this type of individual for the flu, a sprained ankle, a sinus infection, those kinds of things. So that that particular person is one type of consumer, very healthy guy. The middle of the road consumer is probably going to the doctor maybe three to four times a year. They're seeing specialists primarily. And they're spending anywhere from a thousand to three thousand dollars per year, mostly on name brand prescriptions. They're generally healthy folks, but they've got, they really need that prescription card copay. Okay. And then finally, there's the, the disaster man. That's Jim Skinner. That's the person you have on the other end of the line that myself and my family will pretty much max out a health plan, whatever plan we're on. So what's odd about this situation is, or counterintuitive, is that the disaster person and the really healthy person should probably be on exactly the same health plan. And those types of health plans are typically a high deductible health plan. Let's just say a $2,500 deductible. And after that, the plan pays 100% of the bill of all of your outstanding bills. So really your exposure is limited for the healthy person won't spend more than 500. The disaster person won't spend more than 2,500. And so those two folks kind of fit into that category. So that, those are the first couple of steps you need to know. Right. And so, you know, you, you talk about what a smart patient is supposed to look like and, and what do they do specifically? You've got, you know, you've divided it into 
all the different rooms and and if you if you're employed and but you talk about the smart patient. Sure. Well, the first thing I would say is the what I would classify as a smart patient, and let's just kind of put some adjectives here and describe the old patient and then the new patient. The old patient is really kind of passive, dependent, maybe unaware, isolated, unconfident. The new patient, I would consider he's active, independent, hyper-aware, assertive, and, and is personally responsible for their own health. They really take ownership of their health. So that's really what the new system is going to require of patients. Whether we like it or not, we're, we're moving into a new healthcare delivery marketplace. And so, so anyway, those are kind of the quality that you would need. But what does, um, specifically a smart patient actually do? And I can give you a couple of examples of, uh, what most folks would need to know. So I guess. Right off the bat, one of the first things that people do not realize is that doctors don't know the price of anything. So his job is basically to de- deliver the best outcome clinically, but it may not be at the best price. It's your job and my job as consumers to pay attention to this. So here's what that means in practical reality. You're in a doctor's office, the doctor, and this, ha- this is, I'll speak from personal experience. Let's just say I'm on a plan with prescription copays, okay? So the doctor orders Lipitor. He says, Jim, your cholesterol is high. He orders Lipitor. I go along for a year, pay 35 bucks. Then I move to a different type of health plan, a consumer-driven health plan with a high deductible that has no prescription copays. Well, it's the first time I ever noticed that the drug that I was taking cost $120. I was only paying 35 because the insurance company was picking up the rest of the cost. Well, now I have an incentive to go shop. And as I go shop, I do my homework. I realize that there's a generic called Thimvastatin for Zocor. Zocor and Lipitor compete. And it costs $5.99. So had I actually done some homework which I wasn't doing when I was on my copay plan. I was forced to start doing some shopping. I actually saved money when I didn't have the copay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. So, right. so there's hundreds and hundreds of examples like that. But there's a couple of other things, Chris, that, that are shocking, really, that most consumers don't know is that Let's just say your doctor orders an MRI on your neck. You're having neck pain and he orders an MRI. And what you don't know is that that same MRI in the same zip code using the same network of doctors from the same insurance company have a price variance of 300 to 500%. Yep. So... If someone else, the only reason that I'm bringing this up is because the curtain is being pulled back by Obamacare and healthcare reform and all of the evolution of healthcare. The curtain on prices is being pulled back. And we're now not only seeing the prices, but we're now exposed. 
exposed to the prices personally. We don't have third parties picking up as much of the bill as we used to. So it starts to become more important to realize these pricing differential. You may be able to get one, maybe 2,500 and the other party fee down the road, same, same zip code, maybe right. a third of that, $500. Right. That you're actually just saying, you know, people can shop just like they're shopping for, you know, buying a car or something. You can go in, right? Yeah. Get a better price. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've done the same thing. It's amazing. But yeah, you got to be proactive and reach out, dig into it, find out. Yeah, you do. You actually, I think one of the first revelations is when people hear this for the first time, they don't know a couple of really key things. They don't know that the prices are different. They don't know that doctors and hospitals negotiate prices because there's no sign that ever tells you, hey, we negotiate our prices down. And so it's really, it's really a different world out there. And that's really the main point of the Smart Patient Academy is trying to wake people up into from a passive being passive consumers to being active consumers. Great. So how's your experience as a patient in some pretty extreme circumstances shaped the way you work the health insurance world and actually you've done your own, you know, proactive work with your medical challenge? Yeah, there's, I think probably the best example of waking up, finally waking up and turning the healthcare system into an advantage instead of being a victim of the health system occurred when I was, uh, they found out I had a brain tumor. So long story short, a brain tumor was diagnosed. It's very close to my brain stem. There's two different physician communities with completely opposing strategies on how to get rid of the brain tumor. And it's almost like Republicans and Democrats. And there was traditional brain surgeons who really essentially wanted to go in and dive into my brain and pull it out. And there was another group of surgeons who were gamma knife surgeons where they radiate it and kind of disable it in place, but they don't pull it out. Right. So both parties were in complete disagreement on what to do. And I could never get a straight diagnosis. So because of my involvement in kind of how active I am in, in developing this whole active patient, smart patient paradigm, I pushed the system very, very hard. And what I found out, and this is a discovery to a lot of folks out there may be interested in this, is that there are panel of doctors who will review cases as a group where and and you can get a group opinion out of uh, in my case I had a group of about 12 doctors to 14 doctors in San Antonio look at my brain tumor and in California I had around 22 doctors look at it both group gave me the same opinion and that was to do gamma knife surgery versus if I talked to any of those doctors individually they would have been arguing like Republicans and Democrats about what to do. Right. So then that gave you the clear readout. So you went with the gamma or did you go alternative or? 
Well, I went to the Gamma Knight way of doing it. And then after that, the Gamma Knight actually disabled my balance on my left side completely. And they ended up, it ended up giving me this vertigo, extreme vertigo. So a very long story short, what ended up happening was after they had tried about four months to solve the vertigo problem with steroid and almost killing me, the doctor said to me, the surgeon, the traditional surgeon said to me, you know what? We've had some reports that ginkgo biloba may actually help this problem. But based on our experience and our teaching in in the medical profession, it shouldn't help at all. There's absolutely nothing in it that we know that would tell us it would actually help. But give it a try because you got nothing to lose. Four days later, all the vertigo was completely gone. So that took me into kind of a deep dive into the alternative world of healthcare and how, how to blend alternative medicine with traditional medicine. And that's a whole different topic. Yeah, I would, I'd like to, we'll have to have another show about that because I'm really totally convinced that you have to have a blend of both because I myself had a pituitary tumor and mm-hmm. went through acromegaly and, you know, I had a choice of made, you know, surgery, drugs and being, you know, basically incapacitated for the rest of my life or doing alternative medicine and different modalities and combination of both and a whole lot of prayer thank god i was able to beat it mm-hmm. but you know there's a really good combination that people can actually save a lot of money in health bills if they're proactive with what they eat and exercise and really obvious basic thing yeah it is i think there's a lot of confusion out there about how to integrate the two it's not only confusion but but the traditional traditional medicine can be very hostile to the use of alternative medicine. And in, a, in extreme cases like my cancer, they will, they will tell you absolutely don't even drink an herbal pea, much less get into any complementary alternative medicine. So in very serious medical situ- life and death situations, it, sometimes the traditional medical community will tell you you have to choose one or the other, which poses a bit of a dilemma, obviously. But for most folks that are not in that situation, you can blend the two nightly. So the question is, when do you use alternative and when do right. you use traditional? I guess I would kind of say that, you know, the alternative medicine is going to take a look at the entire person. The traditional medicine is going to take a look at very specific, super narrow problem. And they're, they're all about solving a specific problem, irrespective of the, the whole, if you will. So the analogy I like to make is that if you go in and you have your car, you know, with a broken, say a broken window on your driver's side. You'll go in and there'll be a guy who will fix that window, but he won't know anything about the motor that drives the window, or he won't know anything about rear view mirrors. It's a whole different person. So the traditional medicine community to me is very adept at solving problems that are extremely specific. When you get into more wellness though, 
I think you're down the road of alternative medicine. They're almost parallel systems, actually. What do you mean by parallel? Parallel systems in the, in the sense that I'm talking about economic systems. So the way an insurance company or the way a doctor would look at it is where are the healthcare dollars going? And there's a, there's a huge amount of healthcare dollars going into complementary and alternative medicine versus traditional medicine. And I think it's largely a reflection of the frustration with the traditional medicine paradigm, the really restrictive paradigm. And so I'm, I think what you're finding now, especially in your neck of the woods out in California, I think you're finding a better blend of traditional and an alternative together under one roof. Right. It's accepted. And, the, you know, the only problem that I see with it is the sense of that it's not accessible to the average person because you're going to pay out of your pocket. Exactly. Gonna, most of it's not going to be covered on your insurance. And although there are some creative things in California where they are getting, you know, allowing acupuncture and different alternative, some alternative program. Well, the Institute for, for Medicine, the, um, the National Healthcare Institute is actually doing lots of studies about alternative medicine and validating outcomes with alternative medicine. So I think we're seeing a, like I said, a validation of what they're doing and the outcomes that is trickling into the traditional medicine community over time. So it will become, as that occurs, my point is this, as that occurs, the insurance carriers are the last to kind of come online and they'll start looking at it. And they are now covering things that they didn't used to cover. So it's, uh, it is moving in the right direction. It's just incredibly slow. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk a lot about consumer driven healthcare. Maybe you could give us a non technical explanation of what that means and why it's relevant to my listener. Right. Consumer driven healthcare is really kind of industry terminology that me applying all the same rules and tricks that you know as consumers of uh, electronics and food and cars and every other marketplace that you're in, you're going to apply all those same rules to the healthcare marketplace. That means you're going to know the price of something before you go in the door. You're going to know, have to know how to drive this car called a consumer driven healthcare. And I'll call it, uh, I'll put the analogy like this. You've been driving a automatic vehicle. You're now being given a stick shift. They're both cars, but you have to learn how to drive one. So you've heard a lot about health savings account. And really what that is, is it's a bank account, a pre-tax bank account attached to a high deductible health plan. So there's two parts to it. There's the insurance part and the bank account part. And most people just call them HSA plans. So really what's happening is they take away your office visit copays and they take away your prescription copays. I'm just boiling it down and making it pretty simple. Good. Yeah. Right. So they take away those copays. And when they do that, the premiums drop 20%. So 
now you're starting to think, okay, well, if I'm paying less money, like by 20% in premium, I have an opportunity to save that money. I have a choice. I can either pay 20% more and have an office visit copay, or I can take the same money and put it in my own bank account. Which would I rather do? That's really kind of what it boils down to. So in many cases, we're talking about a 20% difference could be, you know, $100, $200 a month in a healthcare premium. So really, that's what we're talking about is account-based plan that you can either get, you know, individually or you can get through your employers. So but they take down. away those office visit copays. It takes the office visit copays, but then you're able and it's also, you get a tax, tax deferred. I mean, do you get a tax exemption by doing that? Yeah, there's a couple of things is that I mentioned there's two parts to the, the health savings account health plan. One is a bank account and all of the money in the bank account is, is tax free. It's, it's pre-tax money. And as long as you use it on health related expenses, you never actually pay any taxes on it at all. So that it can be used for anything that's medically necessary, meaning it could be used on dental care. It could be used on glasses. It could be used on LASIK surgery. It could be used on anybody in your family, whether or not they're covered on your health plan or not. And it's pre-tax dollars. That's great. And that's going to work with the new Obamacare and all that? Yeah, the the high deductible health plans in HSA actually have a pretty good future, believe it or not. There was some doubt about that as we went through the Obamacare legislation and looked at it. And I think they're they're not only surviving, I think they're going to come out a little bit stronger. And it goes back to the reason there's going to be a higher demand for them is because they're lower prices and people are starting to wake up and see, wait a minute, I can say, I can either send the money to an insurance company or I can put it in my own bank account. And a lot of people want to take that control back and also start taking some control of their, their own future, which kind of goes to what you do, Chris, about, you know, in retirement, the cost of healthcare in retirement, you probably know this off the top of your head, but I want to say for a couple retiring at age 65, so about a year ago, I saw a statistic that was pretty shocking that you better have about 250000 to cover health-related expenses. Oh, it's crazy. Well, I watch my, my folks go through a few million because of not having long-term care. Right. And that's a whole other conversation, but... What is it? 85% of everybody that's bankrupt is for medical expenses. Right. So this is just totally huge. And there's, there's so much to it. And, you, you know, as we were talking before we, we started the show, you were telling me that, you know, you've been involved in a lot of the, you know, regulatory. I mean, you've been involved in DC and a lot of the healthcare things that go on there. And, you know, what do you think is, Friend of all this, or how do how do you look at all the changing marketplace and the future? Yeah, the future. Yeah, the future. Where are we going with all where of are we this going? stuff? Yeah, it's a good question. So I kind of like to have take a mental image for your your listeners and and think in terms of a pendulum. 
I think we talked about this, a pendulum, and I call it the healthcare policy pendulum. There's really two ways to tackle, if we just, let's just say we have a broken healthcare system. Let's just assume that for a second. There's parts that work and parts that don't. It's, right. it's definitely broken financially. So there's two different ways to solve it. There are two different competing philosophies, if you will. One of them is the government as the solution, and the, the opposite would be the market as a solution. And these two philosophies compete with each other, and they're both in the marketplace at the same time. So right now, with the, with the uh, launching of Obamacare and the exchanges today, we really kind of have that pendulum tilted heavily over towards the government as a kind of a top-down solution to the uninsured problem. But my prediction is that this represents about 18% of the GDP of the United States. It's around $2.6 trillion of cost goes, is allocated to healthcare, of our GDP is allocated to healthcare. So the government, my, my point is it's, it's impossible for the government to micromanage the market to the degree that they want to. So I do see a lot of problems and a lot of inherent contradiction. Uh, the fact that, that prices in many cases are going to skyrocket for young people and they'll be less so for, for folks that are around in their sixties, say, for example. So at the end of the day, you're going to see some, some big problems with the government as a solution. And that pendulum is going to swing back more towards the marketplace. Right. That's Which fascinating. Per- you know, I've yeah. heard a lot of younger people are just going to totally opt out because now they know what the penalty might be, $100. or I don't know what it is, but this is what one of my guests had told me. And a lot of younger people are going to opt out completely because of the cost and they don't. You just rather yep. pay the penalty than deal with the whole monster that's been created. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. one of one of many examples that have inherent conflicts in it. It all kind of depends on your perspective, you know, whether it's good or bad. But at the end of the day, it's pretty hard to to argue that this has actually made healthcare more affordable. It's almost impossible to argue that all they really did. Frankly, I've, I've been to DC. You're mentioning I've been to uh, about my experience in DC. I had a, a a talk with a senator. This will be revealing. I had a talk with a senator about this very issue, and the gist of the conversation was, I asked him, "How is it that you're actually lowering cost?" And he goes, "Well, you know, when the cost goes up, say from 187 to 400 dollars." We're going to come in and the government's going to come in and take a subsidy and make that number go down to about 180. So the net to the consumer is about 180. So we made the price go down. I said, no, you didn't make the price go down. You just took money from another party and offset an increased price. So that's how they think. Oh, brother. <laughs> really crazy. Hey, this is a good time. Tell everybody how they can get this your great book, Smart Patient, Smart Money, Simple Guide to Becoming an Educated, Empowered, Money-Saving Champion of the Healthcare You Deserve. This is huge. This healthcare monster is really 
you know, people all like, oh, I got to put my money in stocks or not in stocks or annuities or this or that. But the healthcare is really a major piece of the financial puzzle. So you've got a great book to share with everybody and you can tell them how to get it. Yeah, thank you. It's available on Amazon. Smart Patient, Smart Money is available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes & Noble. It's available on iTunes. But the website is smartpatientacademy.com. And that's www.smartpatientacademy.com. And yeah, that's pretty much where you would find it. There's also a ton of other resources at smartpatientacademy.com which is one of them is a private exchange, which allows people searching for health insurance in, in any one of 50 states to actually get a human on the phone and be guided through their options. So. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so it's not a, it's not a government where you can actually get a view of everything then, right? So it's a, what we call a private exchange, which, which is going to, believe it or not, after they get these, all the kinks ironed out with the public exchanges, it's going to link with the public exchange and we'll have a private exchange. So you'll have, you'll have two markets to choose from by calling one number, basically. Our concern about these exchanges, Chris, is that we're talking about something along the lines of the DMV or, wow. you know, the post it. office and oh. you're going in there to go get help care and get be guided through one of 53 plans mm. by people who are not insurance lifers. So right. we have a solution for that called the you private exchange. Private exchange. And so do you have a number for that or? Wait. Oh, yeah. It, well, there's a website that is, it is thehealth-exchange.com, thehealth-exchange.com. And you can go right to that. And people in California, for example, in Hemet can go find, go find what they need. And there's actually a phone number that I'm looking at. I, I'll give it to you in just a second, but it's a triple eight phone number for it. And well, you know what, what's interesting about, for example, the healthcare exchange or even the government one is. Just an average person that's not licensed for healthcare and doesn't know all the bells and whistles is not going to know the right questions to ask about what plan they need or for their family or their kids. You know, how are they going to even address the right questions when they go in and do that? You know, well, it's going to be extremely difficult. And, and without somebody holding their hand and walking them through this, who actually knows what they're talking about. You can't do it. So the phone number is 888-871-2576. That's 888-871-2576. And what you would be calling is the Smart Patient Academy Private Exchange. And again, they can handle problems. And, and the whole point of the exercise is to to do exactly what you just said, they're going to talk and interview the consumer, whoever calls, and they're going to try and get a profile of what the consumer needs. And they're going to match the consumer with the plan that best fits their own consumption patterns as well as their own budget. And so that's that's really and why we are, came up with this private? program. 
Pardon me? Yeah, are, are those... I, did, I, don't, I don't even get this. And I do insurance. Is, is that going to be a private exchange? Situation? Yeah, exchange. Yeah, there's there's two competing markets out there. The pub, All you've heard about are public exchanges. There's things called private exchanges that have actually been out in the marketplace. I've had a, we've had a private exchange, if you want to call it that, for 10 years. Hmm. It's the government's promoting this as if it just, they just invented the wheel. Hmm. I mean, insurance, for example, has been, is a model of okay, yeah. health insurance, yet shopping, but it's all online, basically, with very little guidance going on. So what's happening here is that there's private private plan with multiple carriers that are available that are both exchange qualified and non-exchange qualified or subsidy qualified. So we're getting into a little bit into the wheat, but the, the main reason that somebody would want to go to an exchange is to to, is to cash in a government subsidy and offset the price, right? Otherwise, there's no point in going to like the DMV or going to, you know, or going to uh, some government entity. If you've got something on the outside and a private sector solution, you're going to, the service is going to be way superior as well as the, the services available to the consumer. No, are, they, are the prices actually going to be more affordable than the, the government? Well, the, there's going to be the prices that match what the government prices are, uh-huh. A, and there's going to be more selection. So there's going to be everything available. It's just like, um, I'm trying to think of a really good analogy, but basically you're going to have the government selection, which are all these metal plans, plus you're going to have more expensive and you're going to have less expensive. It's just that those government metal plans are the government's way of homogenizing the health insurance product. And those are the only products that can, you can, that are eligible for a subsidy. If you go outside of those metal plans, you don't, you can't cash in a government subsidy. But the reality is a lot of people won't qualify for these government subsidies anyway. What do you mean by how that? Well, let's say you're an employer. I'm sorry. Let's say you're an employee and you're out in, you're in your neck of the woods out in California. You make $60,000 a year and you it's you and your wife. Your employer is offering a health plan to you and it's considered affordable and it's also qualified. These health plans at work have to now fit a criteria of quality. Okay. So if your employer gives you a health plan that is of the right quality and it's affordable, meaning it's less than 9.5% of your, your income, then you can't get a subsidy. You're not eligible to go get a subsidy out on any exchange. Okay, what, when you when you mean eligible for subsidy, what if maybe you could explain everything? Okay, subsidy means them. So I'll back up a step. Okay. So all right. So when you the government, as I was telling you before, basically 
the the whole thought about making healthcare the way Washington works is that they think that that taking taxpayer money and offsetting the price is is a subsidy, right? So they're they're basically giving a tax credit that is immediately applied to the premium that you're going to pay. So I can give you a specific example. In the state of Texas, you would have a cost of 200. If you're a 27-year-old in the state of Texas, you would have a cost of about $205 for what they call a silver plan. If you had no subsidy, the government comes in and offsets the price. If you don't get insurance through work and you don't make a certain amount of money, then you qualify for a subsidy and that price goes down to about 145. So that's really the, the whole game in these exchanges about, is about cashing in a government subsidy. Other than that, there's really not much reason to go to the, the exchanges when you have all the other private exchanges out there and the plans in the private exchanges are identical at least or better than the ones in the public exchanges. Does that help? Yeah, it's getting a little clearer. <laughs> it, I mean, it, I can imagine what my listeners must I mean, they don't, this is a lot of information for the average person to, to wrap around. So, um, yeah, it is. In, other, the, in other words, if, they, if they're not making enough money, the government's going to subsidize that and then they're going to pay a lower premium. But the premium, the lowest is $145 a month. It, well, the lowest in the example I just gave you. Oh. Okay, so there's there's no way to tell actually today exactly what that premium will be because it varies by every single person in every situation. It varies by income. It varies by zip code. It varies by a million different factors. So at the end of the day, you you may qualify if your income. Put it this way: if your income is above the Medicaid level. Or a hundred between one hundred percent and four hundred percent of the federal poverty level, you might qualify for a subsidy. If you're under that amount, you would go into Medicaid. If you're anywhere over four hundred percent of the federal poverty level, you qualify for no government assistance at all. So, okay, so there's there's still a Medicaid, and there's still the thing that people don't have money that the state is going to still pay for their health care. Medicaid does not go away. It actually expanded. But it got I, bigger. Okay. But they are taking food stamps away. Or... Yeah. The food stamp issue and California specifically, I, I, I would defer to you. I'm, I'm not an expert in that part of it, but. Yeah. So, and then the people that are, and then what is the threshold for people that are making money to get covered or the government help them? Well, the federal poverty level is approximately for an individual that the federal poverty level, uh, and I'm giving you not the exact number, but I'll, I'll tell you it's around $11,500 for an individual and around 24000 23, actually for a family. Okay. That's really the federal poverty level. So if you're, a family of four making, say, 24000 or below, then you're in 
the category of qualifying for Medicaid and you will pay zero. If you're anything above those numbers, then you're in the category of and up to 400% above the numbers I just gave you. You might be eligible to get a government subsidy. I apologize for the, the complexity of this, but it, oh. it's a reflection of how, of the law, really. Exactly. It, it's not your fault. I mean, you know, you, it's definitely something you're talking about you didn't create, but we do it, have to understand it, you know. At the end of the day, and you're, tr you're struggling as most people would be, your listeners are struggling and scratching their heads and going, so what do I do? Right. And at the end of the day, I would say you really need to, to call a phone number and you need help navigating through the system. It's, right. it's difficult to know how to do this and you're not going to learn it on the fly. So you really need help go navigating through that system. And so that's primarily why we created the, the smart patient academy, the private exchange, which, which will enable people to access the public exchange as well. And that's why we wrote the book. And right. so, yeah. So that just got a little bit of time left. So and okay. you have so much value to share with people. Next time, we'll, we'll really, maybe we can focus more on the Obamacare and sure. all that. There's a lot of different ways we can talk things to talk about. But maybe in the final minutes, you could give us really something that, like the cherry on top that really that you'd like to share with everybody is really important for. Well, I guess I would say, you know, we've laid out a situation, Chris, where people are intimidated, they're confused, they tend to be have, have lost confidence. There's a little bit of fear going on, maybe some paralysis, if you will, of action. And what I'm telling you is that. You can take control of your healthcare situation. You can make the system work for you. You can actually conquer the confusion, the fear and the intimidation. And you don't need to wait for a healthcare crisis for it to begin like I did. Right. Um, so it's really the first step is trying to just wake up, listen to a, a, a conversation like you're hosting today, pick up some books, get some information about how to become a smart patient. How do I navigate through the system? And that's really pretty much what I would, what I would leave with your listeners is, is. Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. It's, it's, and that's the same thing that I've done with my book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, is to get people to learn about these things that to get proactive, to take back control of their money and their health. And, and understand like there's places they can put their money and never lose a dollar and make tax free money and all kinds of different that are actually hidden from the average people that the only way that everyone will get it is to reach out, get the book, read it, learn about it. So then you're not going to be a victim of circumstance. Exactly. Exactly, Chris. I, I, I think there's a, there's a lot to talk about and you and I overlap in many, many areas. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and visit with your, your listeners. Jim, it's really been nice. I feel very comfortable with you and I think we've got a, a lot to share. So we're definitely going to have you back again and Thank you. talk about Obamacare and healthcare and show people how they can 
be proactive and take control. And again, everybody reach out and get a copy of Smart Patient Smart Money from the smartpatientacademy.com. And if you have questions, you could reach out to Jim at Jim at smartpatientacademy.com. Again, my name is Chris Miller, and I'm the host of the show Ready, Set, Retire, and the number one best-selling author of Ready for Pre-Retirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. So again, Jim, thanks so much for being on our show. We'll look forward to our next one. Thank you very much, Chris. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. There's so much to learn about healthy money. I hope today's discussion brings you one step closer to securing and protecting your future. So you can get started on the right foot, go to meetwithchrismeller.com and schedule your free financial fitness strategy session. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to Money 911 so you don't miss our next episode, which includes health, wealth, and peace of mind.